Well, Adam, first of all, I have to correct you for a moment. Since Marilyn and I grew up in southwest Philadelphia and we lived in Southern California, we're considered Southerners, I want you to know. <laughs> so Adam asked me to share a little bit about my spiritual journey before we get into the teaching this morning, and so I hope I won't bore you too much, but uh, it goes a little bit like this. As a child in Philadelphia, I went to Sunday school, and uh, I w went to high school, junior high in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and I went to church there as well. And I went to all of that only because I had to, quite honestly. Um, my mom and dad made me go to Sunday school, and the school I was in in Hershey made me go to services on Sunday. And then after graduating from high school, uh, I stopped going to any church activity. Didn't need it. But then I started dating my soon-to-be wife, Marilyn. And she persuaded me, that's a good word, persuaded me to go to church with her. So I played church for many years, but I never gave my life to Jesus. And at age 30, I was transferred to Southern California, and we found a church, Eastside Christian Church, that we felt was solid for us and the kids. I continued playing church and even signed up to take a Friday night, Saturday evangelism class. And so we went through this training on Friday night and we were going to go out cold turkey the next day, door to door, telling people about Jesus. And we had a time of prayer at the end of that evening and I'm sitting there and I'm saying, I'm going to go out and tell people about Jesus tomorrow and I haven't given my life to him yet. That's, that's really kind of stupid. And it was a very simple conversion. I said, Lord, make me the Lord of your life. Uh, make me a son of yours. Come into my life. And uh, my life has never been the same since, in a very positive way. So I started getting more involved in the ministry of Eastside Christian Church at that time. I taught a young marriage class for a couple years, was a member of the youth ministry team for several years, and served as an elder there. And at the age of 48, I felt, actually that sounds awful young right now, but uh, at the age of 48, I felt God calling me to a more full-time involvement in ministry. So I went back to school to get some formal education, took an early retirement from my career job, and was ordained by my church and started down a ministry path. Now I thought I would be an old youth minister. That was that's what I thought was in store for me. That's what I wanted. But I found out something very quickly. Uh, people don't hire old youth ministers, for one thing. And uh, and that God had other plans for me. So I served part-time as an associate minister in Southern California. I helped a church in Tacoma, Washington with some special projects, which included Excel, by the way. <laughs> served as a volunteer chaplain in a Catholic hospital, which was really quite interesting. And for the last seven years, served as a pastoral care minister in our church in Victor, New York. So that's me. What I have learned in life is that serving God is truly an awesome thing. He has blessed me and my family in countless ways. 
And I look forward now to serving this church family with the help of our Heavenly Father. So now into our teaching time. You know, life can certainly be interesting sometimes um, and challenging. And if you're like me, there are times you're cruising down the highway of life uh, with things going pretty smoothly, and then unexpected things happen. Got a little video here that I think illustrates this point in a good way. So. I wish all the uh, problems we encounter were humorous like this video, but they, they really aren't. We face really, really hard stuff at times. Or we know someone who is facing hard times right now. Health problems, the loss of a loved one, strained relationships, lost jobs, tight budgets, people we know who are heading down the wrong path, people we know who don't know Jesus, loved ones who may be sent off to battle, someone close to us suffering from dementia, etc., etc., etc. And if a difficult time hasn't appeared on our doorstep, there's a good chance one will. So what do we do when we face, we have to face one of these giants? I can't associate with giant for some reason. Today we are going to gain some valuable insight from thousands of years ago found in the Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles 20. I think Adam's reaction when I told him I was preaching from that said, 2 Chronicles? Nobody, nobody preaches from 2 Chronicles. Well, we're about to. So if you have a Bible and want to follow along, that's great. And the scripture is also going to be on the screen. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Meunites, and I always had to put in the termites, but came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, Edom and from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazan Tamar, that is, Engadi. King Jehoshaphat, the king of Judea, has a really big problem here. Not your everyday problem. An immense army is coming, and their goal is clear. Destroy Jehoshaphat's kingdom. So let's see how this king reacts to this. 2 Chronicles 23 and 4 says, Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Alarmed, it says, alarmed. That's really an understatement. But what Jehoshaphat does next shows very much wisdom. He didn't call in his generals and ask them to come up with a battle plan. 
He didn't form a political committee to come up with alternatives. He didn't even consult with his legal advisors and psychologists. What he did was turn to God, his real source of help. The message for us today, God is still our real source of help. And then after turning to God, he then goes on to confess God's greatness. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. He didn't stand in front of his kingdom and proclaim what a great, wonderful, powerful king he was. Now he acknowledged that God was the great one. How often do we take credit for fixing problems instead of acknowledging God's hand in it? I know I have. Jehoshaphat turned to the real source and confessed God's greatness. Now he is going to reflect on what God has done in the past. O oh God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? How easy it is to forget that God plays an active part in our lives and pulled us out of difficult situations. Jehoshaphat didn't forget. I believe most of us, if we reflect backwards, can come up with many instances of God getting us out of difficult situations. Jehoshaphat turned to the real source, confessed God's greatness, and recalled God's past intervention. And now he clearly states his case, telling God what he wants and letting God know that he, Jehoshaphat, doesn't have the foggiest idea what to do. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. King didn't mince words here. He told God to take care of this army that was attacking him. He acknowledged that he couldn't handle it, but that God could. And so often we generalize our request to God. And there's nothing wrong with being specific. Like, I want the cancer to go away. I need a pay increase to make ends meet. We also need to tell God that we don't have all the answers and need his help. How often do we address a problem without first asking for God's wisdom? I think this is especially prevalent in men who like to fix it, you know, themselves. Jehoshaphat turned to the real source, confessed God's greatness, recalled God's past intervention, stated his case clearly, confessed his inability and God's ability, and now we will see he was smart enough to know whose battle this was. 
Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Joel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is yours, but God's. It's not yours, but God's. Tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Have you ever seen a child in distress? I have recently, actually. (laughs) And, uh, you know, mom's right there to handle it right in the middle of it. The child's distress becomes her battle. I believe this is how God feels about us, his children, when we are in distress. He doesn't like to see us hurting, and our distress becomes his battle. So Jehoshaphat turned to the real source, confessed God's greatness, recalled God's past intervention, stated his case clearly, confessed his inability and God's ability and knew whose battle this was. He goes on to show a confidence in God and thanks him in advance for what he is about to do. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Koahites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. How often do we ask God for something, but have a little doubt in the back of our mind that it's really going to happen? How often do we thank God in advance for an answer we haven't received yet? So in verse 22, we see the result of God's intervention. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Jehoshaphat and his country were saved by God's intervention. The king turned to the real source, confessed God's greatness, recalled God's past intervention, stated his case clearly, confessed his inability and God's ability, knew whose battle this was, showed a confidence in God, and thanked him in advance for what he was about to do. He then did one more thing, that we so often forget. He led the people in thanking God. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. That This is why it is called the valley of Baraka to this day. Baraka means praise, and that's what they did. What a great story. 
And what a great model for our prayer life. Remember at the beginning of this message, some of the giants we face were mentioned. Health problems, the loss of a loved one, strained relationships, lost jobs, tight budgets, people we know who are heading down the wrong path, people we know who don't know Jesus, loved ones who may be sent off into battle, someone close to us suffering from dementia. You know, these are all giants being faced now by someone in our church family here at Aspen Grove. Imagine what could happen if we collectively brought these needs before our Heavenly Father. And that's a lead-in to a ministry where you'll be starting this week, a new prayer ministry. Because the leadership of this church believes that the Bible teaches that talking to God is a very important part of our daily walk with Him. We believe that prayer supports everything we do here at Aspen Grove. It's a powerful tool that God has blessed us with. So to lead our church family into a more intimate relationship with God through prayer at all age levels, we're starting this prayer ministry this week. Prayer requests received by mostly Adam or myself, but you know, if you want to give them to an elder, they'll get them to us. But the prayer requests received will be communicated in a timely manner to our all-church family email list and or elders slash staff if you choose. Now let me clarify that a little. There are some requests, mostly, most of the time health requests, people are very willing to have go out to a large body of people. But there's some sensitive requests that need to stay within a smaller confine and they go to our elders and staff. You get to choose. None of these will go out publicly without you're okay. So if you come to me or Adam with a prayer request, we'll say, is this okay to go to the um, all-church prayer list? Or would you like it just to go to our staff and elders? And that's the way it will go. Um, we know some of you don't have access to email. So the best I know to do there is that all the requests that go out for email, let's say this week, a list of those will be at whatever we call that booth back there. I don't know whether it's the communication center, the welcome center. What do we call that? Table. <laughs> yes, there you go. Charlie's table. <laughs> a list will be on Charlie's table that you could pick up on Sunday morning. And it's not quite as timely, but still, for the most part, it will be timely. Uh, sometimes, uh, for the most, I'll try to pack each them into one email a week, but quite honestly, if I get a request that somebody's having surgery tomorrow, you'll get, a, you'll get an email today, and you may get one Wednesday because somebody else is going into surgery or whatever. Now, if surgery's coming up three weeks from now, we'll try to package it so you don't get inundated with emails, and the emails will be clearly identified as prayer requests, so you'll know where they're coming from. I think it would probably be appropriate to ask if there's any questions on that. And if you don't feel comfortable asking now, feel free to grab me afterwards and I'll, I'll try to tell you what's going on there if you have any questions. So to kick off this, what I think is a vital ministry, 
like to do something different now. I'd like to form in your aisles, groups of two or three, somehow. I know that can be interesting in an aisle. But as best you can, and we're going to spend some time in prayer together. Okay? At the end of your aisles, under the seats, there's some sheets there. Uh, I don't know whether there's enough for the aisle, but I think there's enough to at least share them. This has all the points on it from Jehoshaphat's prayer, as well as some words I threw in there. Uh, you may, you probably have your own words, but just to get you started. For example, turning to the real source. You might start your prayer with Father or Lord or my God. Uh, confessing his greatness. You are awesome, Lord. Recalling God's past intervention. You have been so, so faithful to me in blah, blah, blah. Stating your case clearly. Please heal. Blah, blah. Confess our inability. This is impossible to me, but all things are possible with you, Lord. I know that. Know whose battle it is. Lord, you are in control of all things. Have confidence in what he is about to do. Please help me in my unbelief. How often I've said that prayer. Praise God in advance. I praise you, God, for what you're about to do. And when it's all over, thank you, Lord. These are just my words. You probably have your own, and you want to put them in there. Um, also, I know praying together like this in a room, at, in groups of two or three or four, if you so inclined, I know this can be awkward. Uh, some of you, not a problem. Uh, you can pray out loud if you led to do that, or you can remain silent. You can hold hands or not hold hands. I don't think the Bible gives an Excel-type formula for that. Okay? <laughs> so, to get us started, what I'd like to do, you can start forming groups now if you'd like. Okay, or decide how you're going to do that. And I'm going to read off some prayer requests from our local church family here that I have permission to read and to let you know about. And these will also go out in our email list this week. So why don't you close your, close your eyes. I'm just going to be silent for a little bit and let you establish communication with the God of the universe. What an awesome thing. And then I'm going to read off some prayer requests. I'm not sure you can get through all of them, and that's okay. I'll let you know who they are. I know somebody will, will pray for one of these, so... We need to pray for Ken and Dean's son, Kenny, who recently had surgery and now is uh, experiencing blood clots that, that are not good, causing him pain and are a danger. Let's pray that, that God will take care of that. Also want to pray for Ken who is having problems with his knee and is making it really hard for him to get around. And that is very frustrating, I'm sure, for him. 
for Donna Cummings, uh, who has hip problems. She's getting by now. She doesn't push too hard, but we pray that the hips will hold out for quite a while longer. Donna also has asked us to pray for her grandson, Kale. He's undergoing training as a Marine at Paris Island and will be a, a proud member of the Marine Corps. Pray for his safety and that he will adjust well. We want to pray for the Evans family who tragically lost their, their daughter in an accident. Pray for God's special comfort and peace. David Browning uh, has a problem with one of his eyes. It's a weird eye condition, and the doctors don't seem to be able to do anything about it, but Lord, we know you can. Kathy Colter's mom, Jean Walker, uh, is suffering from cancer, and our prayer is that the treatment they will be able to give her will ease the pain and that she will be with us for quite a while longer. Karen Hill's uh, father has dementia and uh, her stepmom also has health issues and, and is his uh, health care provider and that's, that's very hard. Don and Pat Kelly's daughter-in-law Patty recently had surgery for cancer and although they think they got all the cancer, her wound is not healing the way it should so we pray that that would heal. And their son, Steve, who recently uh, had eye problems, is, is also now suffering from kidney problems. Our prayer is that they can find something to fix that without going on dialysis. Mary Carlton uh, will be having cataract surgery on Tuesday. And then we'll follow that one up with another cataract surgery on January 6th. So we pray that all will go well there. And David Hill asked for prayer for his aunt, Candy, who's recovering from heart surgery. These are the requests that I got permission to share this morning. We have many, many other requests in our church family for ourselves, our loved ones, our friends, and acquaintances. As a church, local church, body of Christ, we face many challenges next year and many opportunities. And we pray for God's provision. We pray for God's wisdom. We pray that he will lead us and that we will listen and follow. Lord, let's, uh, let's spend just a little bit more time. You may have other requests on your heart out there. Let's take a minute or so just to lift up the requests and the things that are on your heart. thanking you for your faithfulness 
acknowledging that all things are possible with you. We acknowledge you are in control of all things. And Lord, I know there are many times where I doubt that you can help. And all I can say at that, to that is, help me in my unbelief, Lord. I praise you for the things you're about to do here in the people's lives and in our church lives. And I thank you, Lord, for all the times that you have rescued me, helped me, provided for me, loved me. Lord, all these things I pray in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.